to Pod for the Cause, the official podcast of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, where we expand the conversation on the critical civil and human rights challenges of our day. I'm your host, Ashley Allison, coming to you from Washington, D.C. What's up, everybody? We have the Pod Squad in the building. One of the dopest ones we've had so far. And like we start off every show, our pod squad is going to talk about what's happening in the world, all the pop culture, all the political issues that are affecting everyday people. I have an amazing lineup for you today. Today I have Pang Tao, founder and director of Man Forward, Grace Martinez, deputy executive director of United We Dream, and Sophia Kirby, deputy director of reproductive rights at the State Innovation Exchange, also known as Six. Welcome to the Pod Squad, everybody. Yes, thanks for having us. Thank you. Hello. So much has been going on since our last episode. I don't even know where to start, but I will say these crazy Republicans <laughs> are trying to like <laughs> take away my rights. Story of our lives. They must be stopped. <laughs> I mean, Pink, let me actually come with you because, you know, everyone always wants to say abortion is a woman's issue, but we need everyone to understand that it's our body, our choice. Where are you falling on this? Like, what are you thinking when you see all those white men in Alabama and all over the country trying to take away a woman's rights to choose. I think it's disastrous because I think part of it is like they're just trying to take back control. What is actually not there is to actually be in control and in charge of in the first place. So I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Something needs to stop. And they also think that now because they have the court that's leaning more conservative or is going to be more conservative, they think that they could go back and challenge Roe v. Wade. Absolutely. Sophia, you have been doing a lot of work on this. Grace, we do work on protecting everyone's body and regardless of abortion or immigration, criminal justice reform. What is happening? I mean, it's just like white men keep disappointing me. First, it was the Game of Thrones finale. That was like a whole thing. It was so whack. <laughs> totally whack. I want all my life back that I spent there. All eight years. Yes. And now, like, these white men, not only in Alabama, but I grew up in Texas. It just, it feels like it's like the story keeps repeating itself and they're getting stronger. I also saw a bunch of people, like, whipping back, like, and saying, like, no, that's not going to happen. And I was really excited when people started talking about trans women and the conversation. Yes. I had never seen something like as clear and direct as that before. But yeah, white men suck. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Sophia? Yes, I'm always over white men. Don't want them in office. Don't want them. But I think also what we're forgetting is we often hear like, our solution is to elect more women. But a white woman actually wrote the abortion ban policy. And a white woman is the one who Mm -hmm. signed it into law. So we can't forget the fact that it's not just electing women into office or electing folks who might look a little bit more like our communities. It's actually electing people who are for the people whose actual values align with ours. You know, that's right, because this show is for millennials of color, but also their allies, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to build a movement that's inclusive. We can't be like the other who don't want us to have power, don't want anyone to have power but themselves. We have to be inclusive. Peng, what were you going to say? It's so important to make sure that the white women that are being put in office really understand gender and patriarchy really well. Just because they're a woman doesn't mean that they have that full understanding as well, too, because time and again, we've seen white women align themselves with the Republican Party just because and nothing else, even if it goes against their own humanity or their own choices that they wouldn't make. 53% of white women elected Trump. That's right. Let's not forget that. 
I will never forget that. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. So I want to also talk about something that most recently happened that I was kind of disappointed. Okay, look, it's not going to like kill people, but my girl Harriet got kicked off the $20 yes. bill. Yes. I was all about oh. the Tubman. <laughs> I mean, you know, us millennials are trying to get off cash and stuff, but I was waiting for like those, what was it, 20s, right? It was the yeah. 20s. Yeah. Yes. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be rolling in 20s. Like, spending the... <laughs> But it's like, can they ruin one more thing? Exactly. Like it's just yeah. like the cherry on top of all the things that they've ruined. And they're like, oh, we're not even going to let you have that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And then there also is some really devastating news most recently. We've seen more children who have been losing their lives in detention facilities because of family separation. We've been seeing black trans women who have yeah. been killing at higher rates. I mean, Gracie, you started to mention when we were talking about the abortion conversation, it's all connected and we have to all respect each other's identity. What do you want our listeners to know about how they can continue to do work and how they can have their own identity, but also integrate it into others? Yeah, I was really struck by the trans woman that was killed in Dallas and she was killed in a neighborhood that is mostly immigrant where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And at the same time that you're seeing like Guatemalan children being killed in detention centers, it's like the same people. They're trying to make money off of our bodies. They're trying to kill us. And so I think what people can do is just be able to ensure that every time that they separate us and they say, oh, no, like the immigrant kids go here, the trans women go here. I think that that does us a disservice. And Mm -hmm. so why I love this show and also the work that we're trying to do together is to say, actually, we all deserve autonomy. We should all be able to speak out our voices, live out the lives the way that we want them to. But also like the attacks are coming at the same place. Yeah. Again, like my Game of Thrones reference. (laughs) We're just like, the black knight is coming for all of us. And then we just need to get, like, unite and fight back. Just For people who don't know Game of Thrones, let me just give you a, like, five-second tutorial. So you're like, what are they talking about? For eight years, we dedicated our lives our and lives. watched season after season. And the wackest season finale ever happened last week. And it just was like, wait, is it over? Yeah. It's like, there's nothing to be done. And maybe yeah. there's a movie coming out. Sophia, what do you want to say about this? I think that when we see these onset of restrictions getting introduced in advance, whether it's on abortion or anything else, we have to remember when we're criminalizing, whether it's services or behavior, the first people who are actually punished are our folks, black women, LGBTQ folks, poor families, gender nonconforming individuals. Our communities are the very, very first to be punished. When we're talking about, oh, you know, a penalty for this is X, Y, Z number of years, the first person to get locked up, I guarantee, will be a black woman, yep. will be a trans person, mm-hmm. will be a low-income person, right? And so we really need to be aware that it's not simply just restricting our access and our bodily autonomy, but a coordinated, systematic approach to actually continuing locking us up. You know, Pang, I want to go to you because in the era of Me Too, when we're talking about violence against black and brown bodies, when we talk about violence against trans women around the abortion ban, you do amazing work of bringing men into the conversation about gender violence. Can you talk a little bit about what you do? And if someone never gets to experience one of your workshops, what's like a top bullet point you would give them on how to show up in these spaces? I'd say it to men all the time is go and listen. Like, listen deeply. One way is to listen to your privileges as they come up and you're feeling defensive as you hear the stories of women and girls and really challenge those defenses and those privileges. So I always tell men, you've got to show up listening and then you've got to then follow the leadership of 
women and girls in your community because they've got the answers and you don't need to be coming up with the answers. So really just follow. If any of those men in Alabama or in any of the states had ever spoken to someone who had an abortion and even just heard their story. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked, right? Because it's like that's just not a part of how they interact in life. So, you know, we have all these things going on in our social justice movement. But one thing that I've noticed and I've seen it on Twitter and whatnot is that people are starving for a way to get involved. And so one of the most recent responses by a celebrity, Alyssa Milano, and the response to some of these bands was a sex strike. What? And I mean, I'm just going to drop that on the table. (laughs) And let's keep this all PG-13 because my mama does listen. (laughs) Sex strike. Somebody go. I will start by saying I did love her show, Who's the Boss? Me too. So, you know, I'm sure her heart is in the right place. It was intended to be something comical and joking, but it did make the implication that women don't enjoy sex or it's not pleasurable. It did make the implication that queer folks don't have sex. Mm -hmm. It really was this heteronormative narrative that she continued to uplift and push out. And overall, I don't think it was really helpful. Hang, sex strike, thoughts, go. (laughs) Oh, I think we should try every strategy. We don't know which one is going to get us there. (laughs) That's real. I totally get what Sophia's saying. So I agree with that. Grace, sex strike, go. It did sort of remind me of like strikes like this were talked about in the Latino community all the time. Mm. I would say like it was not at the scale that Elisa Milano was calling it for or connected to the issue. But like people were like, girl, if you want to get your man in line, you need to do the sex strike. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I could see. You could see how it could happen, yeah, right? Yeah, I could totally see it. Spike Lee had that film out recently, Shadrack, that was about a sex mm. strike on the violence in black communities. So yeah. like, maybe this is the new form of resistance. <laughs> new strategies, new tactics. Something also that came up a couple of weeks ago when we talk about sexuality and gender and how we see each other and, and people's value is Aisha Curry, wife of Steph Curry, oh, yeah, talked about how she wanted attention from, mm-hmm. let's not just make this about a heterosexual norm, right? Let's yeah. just make this a broader conversation. Mm-hmm. But how individuals yearn for attention from people that they are attracted to. And, like, she got dragged on social media. Yeah. I mean, I know. Like, Steph and her, they are so sweet. Their kids seem so sweet. Peng, what do you got to say about that? I think what is healthy is for people to just disclose their fantasies to each other or even their infatuation with each other. Those are healthy things to do and to share and then to have people support you to not enact those fantasies out. So it's actually okay for people to be disclosing that oh, I'm attracted to you or whatnot, but how do I keep myself safe? And now that you know that, let's build in good boundaries in that, right? Yeah, that's right. It's like just because you have a desire doesn't mean you get to force yourself on someone. Yeah, it's everyone. It's still, it goes back to the individual's choice, right? I also thought that she was coming from a super vulnerable place. Of yeah. Saying like, hey, like sometimes I don't feel like desired and like I want that in my life. And Why does Steph get to get all of that all the time? I get the criticism, but I also feel like it's important to honor like a woman being able to be publicly honest about what she was feeling. I get that all of the nuances are weird, but I want to encourage women being able to be like vulnerable about the things that they're struggling with. Yeah. What about you, Sophia? I felt really bad seeing her. I actually had to take a Twitter break that day for Mm. how bad she was getting dragged because to go for what you were saying, she was being incredibly vulnerable. She was being really honest Mm -hmm. and sharing her lack of feeling desire and feeling wanted. And 
so many of young women and girls are sexualized at such a young age. Mm-hmm. You're also taught that that's validation, that that's a sentiment of who you are as a value. And, you know, we're older, we have a better understanding of ourselves, and we know that not to be true. But mm-hmm. there's definitely times where I felt very similarly, you know, yeah. where you're not in a relationship, you know, you're not going on as many dates. And that definitely can take a personal toll. So I really felt bad. I felt like people were trying to do like the Madonna whore thing with her where like now she's this wife. She must be like this Mm. Virgin Mary mother. Mm -hmm. She can't have a sexual identity. And then you're either that or you're not. And if you're not, you're like this over-sexualized creature that can't be respected in their own identity. Everyone, this is the Pod Squad on the Leadership Conference podcast, Pod for the Cause. I'm joined today with Peng Tao, the founder and director of Man Forward, Grace Martinez, deputy executive director of United We Dream, and Sophia Kirby, deputy director of Reproductive Rights at Six. I'm so glad to have them on the show. You know, we just were talking about women and sexuality, men and sexuality, non-gender conforming individuals and their sexuality. How does all of what we just talked about between Aisha Curry, the sex strike, people having autonomy over their own bodies, like through not being sexually harassed because of Me Too, protecting black trans women, how does that all connect back to the fight we see happening right now around abortion in these states? Wow, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that came into my mind is I think about my little niece, Emmy, and I think about her sort of like being the recipient of all of this news and all of this information. And I'm planning to be able to share with her that I'm queer soon. And so it feels like it's like putting everything sort of like in the right place in unfortunate ways and also in like really helpful ways to be able to say that like women can talk about their sexuality. It's important to be able to be upfront about it. But I think that when I talk to her or when her mom talks to her about like her body, her choice, like the things that she should or she should not accept for people, like I feel like her mom is more armed to be able to have those conversations. Mm. And for me, that is like a game changer for young women because I don't remember having these deep conversations with my mom. Mm. Or So I don't know. I think it's encouraging. It's also really, really awful. Hang I'm going to go to you and come then back to Sophia. Yeah, I was thinking about like when you were asking that, where it went to me was just the historical context of like how the medical world really performed all these sterilizations on women and girls of color, right? And without their knowledge and without them knowing. And part of that is like population control, quote unquote, and to leave white people again in power. Right. So that's what I was thinking about. This isn't like something new, but that's where abortion came out of was really that they just made it a moral argument. And we're like, no, we're not going to go there. We really know what the root of it is really, because it's really about ensuring that white people still are going to be succeeding and in positions of power. So it's about keeping up white supremacy. Sophia, we'll close out with you. What do you think about how all this intersects into the fight we see happening now? Yeah, I mean, I agree that it definitely is is shifting the conversation to a more open one. I mean, if you Google abortion now, I can only imagine the number of hits you'll get on Google, right? And Mm -hmm. it wasn't too far long ago where you could not get a presidential candidate to say the word abortion. Mm -hmm. And now between Mm -hmm. the 40,000 or so candidates we have, (laughs) almost all of them, I think maybe two only have not publicly come out and saying they would support protecting Roe. And a handful of presidential candidates actually have like concrete plans that they've laid out, right? So I think it's definitely a shift in moving towards being more of a policy priority for Democrats. 
Well, Peng, Sophia, Grace, thank you so much for joining me on the pod squad today. Look, we were supposed to talk about abortion and we went all around the Mulberry <laughs> Bush and then came back because that's what we do on the pod squad. We talk critical civil and human rights issues for everyday people. Coming up, we have a great conversation with Senator Vivian Figures, a member of the Alabama Senate, and Kimberly Inez McGuire, Executive Director of Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equality, also known as Urge. So don't go anywhere. Mirror, mirror on the wall, don't say it cause I know I'm cute. Oh, baby. Louis down to my drawers, LV all on my shoes. Oh, baby. I be dripping so much sauce, gotta be looking like Prego. Oh, Lit up like a crystal ball, that's cool baby, so is you, that's how I roll. If I'm shining, everybody wanna shine. Yeah, I'm I was born like this, don't even gotta try. Welcome back to Pod for the Cause. Today, we are talking about a woman's right to choose and the abortion ban spreading across our country. We have two special guests today with us. Senator Vivian Figures, member of the Alabama Senate since January of 1997, and Kimberly Inez McGuire, Executive Director of Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity, also known as URGE. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Great to be with you. All right, we're going to jump right into it. I'm so thankful that both of you took time to talk to our listeners. There's a serious crisis happening in our country, and you both work on reproductive rights in various ways. Kimberly, I want to start with you. Can you just give us a state of play of what is happening in our country around reproductive health? Absolutely. So first, a little context. While the abortion bans that have been spreading across the country are absolutely headline news today, it's important to remember that actually since about 2010, there has been a rising tide of restrictions. We have seen more than 400 new state restrictions on abortion since 2010. It's been getting worse and worse. And this year, they finally stopped pretending to even care about women. And they just took off their masks and exposed themselves for who they are, which is extremely who want to ban abortion completely. We are now up to, I believe, eight states is the count, although Missouri literally just passed another one. So we are seeing state after state pass total bans on abortion. And Senator Figures, you are in the hotbed of, you know, the Confederacy basically in Alabama, and you are fighting as hard as possible to protect women's rights. Can you tell me what is happening in your home state of Alabama? Well, you know, it's amazing that you would say that this started, that they took the gloves off started in 2010, because that is when we received a supermajority of Republicans in our state legislature, in both the Senate and the House. And it's just been the surge. So what they started with, they've been very strategic. They started with the judicial system in taking over the courts. And then they went through the legislature and then even in other levels of government. So they're on a mission. They have a plan and it's a strategy. And I tell you, if we don't wake up, especially women around this country, we're going to find ourselves back in the 30s or maybe even the 1800s, because I think that is where they're trying to go. And it's so amazing, even as I sit in committee meetings, I'm the third senior ranking senator in our body of 35 senators now, the longest serving female senator in Alabama. I've been there. This is my 23rd year. 
And it's amazing how now it seems that they're even trying to cut my voice off in committee or cut me off, but they don't cut the men off. So, of course, I call them out every time. So it's like this is this amazing uproar of disrespect for women and taking away our rights in every way they can, while they're also trying to kill public education as well. Don't let us have to come down to Alabama if they're trying to cut you off. <laughs> we don't take that on part you know for the cause. I'm handling it, Ashley. You know I'm handling it. I know you are. I know you are because you are a powerful woman. So they're passing all these bills across the country. You talked about how they have a supermajority. We've already talked about census on our show and how when the count is off, the way districts are cut in a state is directly impacted. Oh, when was the last census? 2010, right? The new districts were cut. You talked about the state court and how they're taking it on the judiciary. What happens if this goes to the Supreme Court? Could Roe really be overturned? Like, Kimberly, what are we facing here? Yeah, there is a real concern with the ascension of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court with basically the theft of a Supreme Court seat from Barack Obama. What we have seen is a court where the power has now tipped against legal abortion. Five of the justices do not believe that there is a right to legal abortion in this country. Mm -hmm. And so they're absolutely the entire reason why those who oppose abortion want these bans to go to the Supreme Court is because they think that those people are their friends and they think that they have the votes to see Roe fall. Mm -hmm. Now, that is the most extreme outcome, the most extreme possible scenario. Even if that doesn't happen, even if it's severely undermined, or even if these abortion bans are struck down, which, you know, they may be. It's a big question mark. A lot of folks are asking about Roberts. They're not sure where he might land. But even if these laws are struck down, we still have the Hyde Amendment that stops low-income people from getting abortions. We still have a whole regime of cruel, unnecessary restrictions on abortion. Today, it's hard to get an abortion in Alabama. So they want to make it worse, and it could get worse, and Roe could fall. But even if we keep Roe, Roe hasn't been working for folks of color and poor folks for a very long time. Senator Figures, this bill passes. What does that mean for your constituents? These bills are passing. What does that mean for the everyday folks across this country? We'll start with you, Senator. Well, the one that passed in Alabama a couple of weeks ago, it is so frightening because this bill is so ambiguous. It is left open for so many different interpretations that I am so afraid that when it goes into effect in mid-November, we're going to have doctors who are going to hesitate giving certain care to certain women for certain problems for fear that they just may be causing an abortion while taking care of their patient. And they're going to hesitate because they don't want to spend 99 years in jail. That is the penalty for the doctors, for anyone given an abortion, 99 years. So the thing is, is that you put this woman's health in jeopardy. So it's just bad all around and what they have done, and especially for poor women. You know, one of the amendments that I offered was for them to expand Medicaid. Mm -hmm. And as you know, they did not. In Alabama, they left $1.3 billion on the table along with 30,000 jobs. And we all know it was because it was President Barack Obama's initiative, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, they still have that hatred in their hearts where they're not going to do it. And I told them they needed the expansion of Medicaid because this was going to affect 
poor women and low-income women for sure, because people are still going to get abortions. I just don't think that it's going to stop. It's been happening from the beginning of time, which is why and how Roe versus Wade came about so that women would be able to get them safely and legally, because the ones with means are definitely going to still get them. They are going to send theirs. And what's so sad, a lot of the people who are for this and some of them who are voting for it will be able to send their own somewhere where they are legal and safe. Senator Figures, I just want to thank you for bringing up what we know is true, which is as long as people have experienced pregnancy, some people have wanted to end those pregnancies and sought ways to do so. So no, this bill will not end abortion in the state of Alabama. But for people who need abortions, one of three things will happen. Some of those people won't be able to get the care they need. So we're talking about people who are forced to be pregnant, who do not want to be pregnant. I mean, what a violation of their dignity, right? Mm -hmm. That's one. The second thing is some people are going to turn their lives up upside down to travel hundreds or thousands of miles to get care in a city that they've never been in, to fly across the country. I mean, we're talking about people who don't have paid sick time off work, who may not have childcare, and yet who are going to have to make a cross-country trek to get an abortion. And thirdly, some people will decide to end a pregnancy on their own and they'll seek ways to do so. Now, you know, there is the abortion pill. It is a safe method. Folks right now are finding ways to use the abortion pill. But the other problem that will happen is we know because it's already happening. Some people will be arrested and put in jail for ending their own pregnancies. That's already happening. And we know who would be the first one to get arrested and put in jail. It's going to be people of color. But what about the women who don't know that they are pregnant? What if they did use protection and didn't know that it broke or whatever, and they didn't know or have the wherewithal to get that morning after pill or the abortion pill or whatever, and then they go on to get so far along or whatever, or by the time that they find that they're pregnant, then they can find out they're pregnant, then they can't get the abortion. It's going to cause all sorts of problems. So, Kimberly, I know you do a lot of organizing. You all have young people across the country. Can you talk a little bit about what people can do, how they can plug into your network, how they can support elected officials like Senator Figures in Alabama who are fighting the hardest fight ever to stop these bans? Absolutely. So first and foremost, young people, folks of color, black women, queer and trans folks, we have been fighting these abortion bans since day one. Mm -hmm. In 2018, young people led the fight against the ballot initiative that in many ways sort of started the slide in Alabama towards this newest law banning abortion. Mm -hmm. This past spring, young people were on the rope lines of the Georgia legislature. We crowded the halls of the Ohio House when they were passing their abortion ban. Literally all over the country, young people have been engaging the Democratic process and frankly cheering for folks like Senator Figures who are looking to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so what I would ask for folks who are looking to get involved, first you can follow us at urge.org, follow us on social media, get connected to the organizations within your community. You know, if you're in Alabama, if you're in Georgia, we'd love to work with you in Urge. If you're in Louisiana, reach out to Women with a Vision. Mm -hmm. If you're in Pennsylvania, reach out to New Voices. There are organizations across this country, many of them led by black women, many of them led by queer and trans folks who have been in these trends for years mm -hmm. trying to protect reproductive health, expand abortion access. These are the organizations we need to be supporting. And these are the organizations that mobilize to support good legislation and to fight bad legislation. Everybody, you're listening to Pod for the Cause today, and we are talking about a woman's right to choose. It is our body, and it is our choice. And I'm joined today with Senator Figures, a member of the Alabama Senate, and Kimberly Inez McGuire, the executive director of URGE. Senator Figures, this bill passed, and, you know, people elected you, but people also elected 
those jokers who passed this bill. Amen. What has been the crying out from the women, the men in this country? Have you heard from your constituents? You know, everything happens for a reason. And I try to find the silver lining in every dark cloud. So the silver lining in this one, ladies, is that women are fed up and they are ready to take to the streets. They're ready to take to the polls, if you will. We have got to find people to run in these seats. And unfortunately, with the way we are with the census, with the 2010 census, in terms of where our lines are right now, I don't know what we will be able to do until those lines are actually changed so that we can actually have more representation. But it's not just Democratic women. This is not just a partisan effort, although it is the Republican Party that's pushing it now. But you have both Republicans and Democrats who are just outraged by this bill that just passed in Alabama. And not only that, it's not just women, it's men. Mm-hmm. So, But they know the only way to change these types of things from continuing to be done is to change the people who hold these seats. And what I have noticed is that they march lock and step with whatever that Republican agenda is. You could see some of them that they don't want to go a certain way, but then they end up doing it. Mm -hmm. We only had four of them to vote for the exceptions, which is incest and rape. And, you know, this is another bad part of that bill is that it did not allow for the exceptions of incest and rape. And we only had four Republican men to vote for that. But then they turned around and voted for the bill. So until we can galvanize people to run for these seats, and I I don't just say elect women to these seats, we have to elect the right kind of women to these seats. And they're probably going to be Democratic women, if you will, because it was a Republican woman who sponsored this bill in the House, and the other four or five Republican women in the House signed on as co-sponsors. Then it went to a Republican female governor who could have put an executive amendment on there, which I asked her to, and she ignored. Mm. But she could have put at least those two exceptions on that bill, and she did not. You asked and you you didn't get a response? I did two ways, two ways. I called, left a message for her, told her assistant exactly what I wanted. I didn't just call and say, call me back. Mm -hmm. I told her what I wanted. Then I wrote it on my letterhead and had it hand-delivered to her. She got the message and she read the letter prior to her signing that bill. I haven't gotten a call back yet. (laughs) Governor, we waiting. That's what we call receipts in this day and age. We got our receipts. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So the image of these white male, older white males, particularly who voted for this in Alabama, you have to go to work with them again. Like, do you talk to them? Like, I don't know. I mean, I struggle with like sometimes having conversations with people who don't see eye to eye with me. I'm a work in progress. But like, how do you do it? Like, are you in conversation with them? Are you trying to push them? What is the work? Well, you do. And then you say things whenever you can. Mm-hmm. Like, I was in a committee meeting and they wanted to give a bonus to the retired educators in the budget, right? So this one Republican senator says that, well, that's just a gift, a giveaway, and that is just being fiscally irresponsible, And then I said, excuse me, from the colleague who 
just voted in a bill that's going to potentially cost this state millions of dollars in legal fees on a bill that they know Get is unconstitutional. Is she talking to me? Is she talking to me? I said, if the shoe fits, wear, wear it. What? I know, that's you know, right. You, but, but I had the cordial relationship with him, <laughs> Ashley, because we disagree on this issue, but then there are other issues that you have to continue to work with. And so you work with people where you can. But as I said, and then see, I don't like to waste my energy being mad because it's not going to accomplish anything. I want to put my energy forth in starting my pack to help women, to train them, to find them and help them and give them the tools and resources they need to win some of these seats. Kimberly, I'm going to close out with you. Do we see any more bills like this on the horizon in other states? Like, should people be directing their energy? Like, I don't live in Alabama, but I'm going to do whatever I can to support Senator Figures and other folks. I mean, my home state is trifling and did one of these bills, too, but of Ohio. (laughs) But do we see anything else on the horizon? on this issue? Yeah, so one of the ways in which Alabama has set a terrible example that other folks are following is that last year, Alabama had a ballot initiative that made it so that abortion is no longer a constitutional right in the state of Alabama. And we are seeing states popping up across the country who are doing this for two reasons. One, it's a way to clear the path for some of these extreme abortion bans, Mm -hmm. but it is also to set up effectively a trigger so that if we lose Roe v. Wade, we can see maybe up to half of the country Mm -hmm. where abortion is no longer legal. So this happened in Alabama. It happened in West Virginia. These are often done on the ballot with a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. One is expected to be coming down the pike in Kansas. These are popping up across the country. This is the time to be informed. You know, you mentioned your home state of Ohio. The reality is every single one of us has work to do in our own community because I also don't want this idea out here. People think, oh, that's Alabama. People start talking trash about the South. You know what? Every single state in this country has an abortion restriction that they need to get rid of. Mm. Right. Actually, I think Oregon might be the only one that doesn't have any. But literally across the state, we have bans on abortion coverage. We have laws that target young people. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is something you can do in your own state to improve access to abortion. And I think folks need to start there. Everybody, you're listening to Pod for the Cause. I've been joined today by Senator Vivian Figures, member of the Alabama Senate, and Kimberly Inez McGuire, Executive Director of URGE. You need to get educated. You need to get counted on that census. You need to vote, and you need to stand up for women's rights to choose. Thank you, and continue to listen to Pod for the Cause. Coming up, I'll hit you with some real talk during our Hot Take segment, where I get a few things off my chest in three minutes or less. pod for the cause. We've been talking about a woman's right to choose and the abortion bans happening today. And between our pod squad and Senator Figures and Kimberly Inez McGuire, I have a few things to say. I fundamentally believe that people should be able to choose what happens to their bodies, whether it be how they identify on the gender spectrum or if they have access to abortion or not. It is their body and their choice. So today, Rather than trying to convert pro-life believers on abortion, I want to talk to the hypocrisy of the politicians who support these abortion bans. Either politicians value life or they don't. The argument of pro-life politicians is that every life deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. And I would agree. 
But shouldn't Flint have clean water? Don't trans lives matter? Don't black lives matter? But do the politicians really believe that every life deserves dignity and respect? To them, I say, no, you don't. Because you really aren't standing up for life. You and Alabama are fine with your prison conditions to be cruel and inhumane. You and Missouri are fine to use military force against nonviolent protesters. You and Ohio are fine stripping working class union members of their rights. You and Mississippi, you will not keep families together in sanctuary cities. And you and Georgia will execute men and women in our criminal justice system. You are not working for the dignity of life. You are working to control lives. You want to have a say in how people live their lives. And you want to ensure that you will never lose power in your life. You, Mr. and Mrs. Pro-Life politician, you were trying to take our right to vote, incarcerate us, deport us, and trying to challenge Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. You want to have power over women, power over people of color, power over this country. But guess what? Women, immigrants, queer folks, people with disabilities, and everyone else you want to marginalize has your number. To you, we say, our body, our choice. Our life, our choice. We will rise up together and stop you. To join this effort, visit civilrights.org, and together we will win. For listening to Pod for the Cause, the official podcast of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and the Leadership Conference Education Fund. For more information, please visit civilrights.org. And to connect with me, hit me up at Pod for the Cause on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app and leave a five star review. Until then, for Pod for the Cause, I'm Ashley Allison. And remember, a cause is nothing without the people.